Welcome to a brand new episode of Front End Happy Hour. This is episode 40 and we are joined by Nofel Kadam to talk to us about React Native. Nofel is a software engineer from Netflix. Nofel, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Well, as you just said, Ryan, um, I do a lot of React Native. My name is Nofel Kadom, and I work at Netflix as a senior software engineer. And my favorite happy hour be beverage is probably gin and tonic, or scratch that, gin soda. Gin soda is what I do. Right on. <laughs> we should have been drinking that today. <laughs> we should have. Let's also go around the table and give brief introduction of today's panelists. Derek, you want to start off? Yep, uh, I'm Derek Showers. I'm a senior software engineer at LinkedIn. I'm Brian Holt, and I'm not already drunk. <laughs> uh, I'm Augustus Yoon. I'm a software engineer at Evernote, or front-end engineer at Evernote. I was going to say, you forgot oh, what you oh did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stacy? Stacy London. I'm a front-end engineer at Atlassian. Right on. I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. So what did we decide today's keyword is? WebView. Web WebView. So if anyone says the word WebView, we'll all take a drink. All right, well, let's get started then. Like, what is React Native? Anyone want to give a little bit of a definition of what React Native is? Yeah, sure. So I'd say in the simplest form, um, React Native is a way to build mobile applications using JavaScript. It's not being using the web view, is it? <laughs> Cheers. Maybe you should explain what the web view is. I think that well, that's a good point. So yeah, it's it's I guess in I guess it's a similar concept in Android and iOS. I know from iOS it's what it's called, but basically just a way to implement browser inside of a native app. Yeah, same in Android. Leaving yeah. The app. yeah, so you can actually load your web code, and um, it's a native view that's basically holding the uh, yeah, web code. Like Facebook uses a, a lot, right? Whenever you tap on something on the feed, you enter into their web view. So the advantage is you're not sending the user out to the browser and you know hopefully they're going to stay inside your app. Yeah, it's basically and, like an iframe in a native yeah. app yeah, exactly. in some ways. And it used to not, not be like full capable. Like it wasn't as fully yeah, capable yeah. as like the, the, the native browser on the phone, but now it kind of is closer. It's still, right, yeah, it's still yeah, yeah. lacking a lot of uh, features. There's certain things that you just wouldn't be able to do. But yes, you, you're able to do some extra hookup to like an, a bridge to the actual native layer that allows you to do a lot with it, but it's still not native, which React Native is a lot closer to a full native experience. Yeah. I mean, technically, actually, what's interesting is even on iOS, Chrome is nothing but a web view because... Yeah. You can't build a browser on iOS. So what's so so to Stacy's point, I know before like a couple of years ago, they didn't. It was something like uh, the WebView didn't even have access to the same JavaScript engine. Yeah, right. It was like a watered down version. Yeah, that was a lot slower. So that's why I never used Chrome on iOS because it was you know you you still you had your bookmarks in your history, but you had this watered down version of a WebView. But you didn't have to use Safari. Yeah, he said WebView like yeah, <laughs> yeah. We kind of missed it. Everyone's sitting there with their drink and looking at me like. <laughs> so, what are some benefits to leveraging React Native? Um, the main benefit, I would say, especially, it would depend on the team that you have. So, if you have a JavaScript team, then you're now magically able to start, you know, writing mobile apps, both um, iOS and Android apps. What's worth clarifying though is that React Native is not um, you're not loading a website within. A web view. Cheers. <laughs> Couldn't run away from that. You're actually writing JavaScript code that controls your native components, your native modules. And so 
that's why you're able to achieve or to, to write an application that feels fully native because it is native. You're just interfacing with it using JavaScript and something called uh, the bridge, which we'll probably talk about later. Let's not jump into it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some more drink for that. <laughs> Some more webbies. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think, too, the one of the biggest benefits is the fact that you're getting a lot of iOS and Android together. You're not having to write views for both. A lot of the code you're writing once and actually getting iOS and Android, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think the, one of the other cool things about it is that you don't have to write your entire app in React Native, like you can write parts of it. Um, so I think like a really good use case is something that you would normally put in a web view. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> There's no way around it. We chose a great keyword. Um, for instance, uh, settings on LinkedIn yeah. is in a, a view that's a view that's a browser <laughs> browser <laughs> the browser view and the reason for that is just cuz it's easy like you want something that's uh, that's easy for people to develop something like settings is you know in, people aren't going to want to build it three times and um, no one wants to worry about settings anyway if you tell them that they build it three times they're never going to want to put any other stuff in settings so um, product teams and whatnot. So you, I think that's an excellent use case for React Native because then you can still make it appear like it's native, and which is a lot nicer than loading something in essentially an iframe. And um, then see how I got around that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's clever. That's clever. Yeah, and you also get to benefit from like the almost entire JavaScript ecosystem, right? right. If you're used to using Moment.js, then you can use that. If you're used to using, um, I don't know, Lodash or... Yeah. Uh, Bluebird, whatever library, X library, then you can use all, like most of those, as long as they're not using any environment specific um, APIs, you can just pull them into your native app and write it like you would with your web app. Is there any concern though at that point too, adding Lodash, adding Moment, all these different libraries, is that gonna add bloat to your end result of app that's going into the App Store or Google Play Store? Is that gonna make a difference into the code base? Right, like your bundle size? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll get bigger. I think it's probably less of a concern than adding it to your website, just because apps tend to be a lot larger and your users will download it once and then they have it on their device. I would think, I would, I would spend more time thinking about adding uh, package to my web bundle than I would to my React Native bundle. I don't know. I still struggle with the fact of like, you know, certain apps like Facebook's pretty big and people are downloading that. If they have a terrible internet connection, they're not getting that app very quick and they might quit. Yeah. I mean, I think the same best practices apply to React Native. Like if you're, if you're only using like Lodash Get or um, what's another one, like throttle, let's say, to only pull down like these methods versus pulling down the entire package. Um, so if you're sensitive, like if your app is sensitive to, uh, or your customer base is sensitive to bundle sizes, then I would definitely. Yeah, you can be smart about it. You, Lodash is a perfect example. You do not need the entire library. It's a great library, but you do not, like how many, how many methods do you actually use? Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, so like if you have your current web web application stack on React, like is it just one to one when you move like the components? If you wanted a component that, or is there some like kind of massage? One to one to between like a web React component versus I imagine it's like that's exactly actually a good question, right? Very because good question. It's, it's not. It's right. like, I imagine there's some sort of like massaging you have to do. Yeah. No. You're. you're there's certain ways that you can share some of the code base between web iOS and Android, say like if you're wanting to use Redux. Redux is a good way to manage your data, but at the same point, you're still writing web view, and I don't mean that the actual web view that we're talking about. But <laughs> I just said it twice yes. to clarify. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> but your web code, the view logic for that 
is different than what is for the handlers for iOS and Android. You may actually end up at some point writing web and then iOS and Android together. And I would say in my mind, I look at it as about 80 or 90% you're sharing Android and iOS uh, React Native together, but they're not shared to web. I, see, I think I there are some ways that NoFell even knows some, there is some like yeah. things out there that will, what they basically transpile down to iOS and Android from web. Yeah, so there are a few things that are, um, there's already like a few libraries that help you do that. One called React Native Web, uh, which will let you use the React Native components. So like there, there are a few helpers called like Vue, which maps out to like a div or um, what's the other one? A text, which is like a span. And then you have text input, which is an input. Uh, so there are like, there's a set of probably like eight primitives that match to almost any platforms. And if you're, if you're interested, you should definitely look out, uh, look up a um, library called React Primitives. Uh, that's another one that really focuses in on those. There's also uh, a few talks given by a guy from Airbnb called Leland uh, Richardson, who's done a lot of work there, and it's also his library, so uh, definitely worth checking out. But when React Native came out, they made it like they made it very clear that it wasn't a write once, run everywhere, and what what they call it is like learn once, write yeah. uh, write anywhere, so that you learn React, and then you can apply the principles of React um, in React Native. Um, I'd say like if you if you already had a web component, then you could port it over by just replacing your render method. So like if your render method has like divs and, and spans, and you, you then you'd replace that with views and and, and text. Um, and as long as you're not using any like web APIs, so say you're using local storage. Uh, I actually, see. That's, prob yeah. that's probably a bad example because there's, a, there's like a polyfill <laughs> for it. But say another one, um, then you'd want to you definitely want to avoid those. I see. So that's yeah. a pretty big difference from Cordova. Yeah, because Cordova is just like you could write a responsive website. Yeah, exactly. And then, wrap you know wrap it up, and you could also have it be installed, and it was all just one code base. Exactly. Except you're not getting the it's not native logic, so you're not getting that extra performance. It does feel like JavaScript on a phone. That's a dream, though, right? Like it, it is. It's like whereas React Native, I, I think you've nailed it as saying it's not a write want solution. I do think you can get part of the way there and the fact between like iOS and Android, you can get 80 or 90%, you can, depending on what you're trying to do, you can get a lot that's very close. One of the other things I think is cool about React Native is that you can make changes on the fly uh, with kind of get around app store submissions and recompiling the app, um, which I think is really nice um, with some of the constraints that Apple has around um, you, submitting to you the app. You still have to submit an app, though, do you not? Yeah, but you can like dynamically pull the JS bundles and stuff. Yeah, so you could update yeah. uh, like certain JS bundles and then push that down to your users, uh, either transparently oh, right, right. or like you could show them a dialog that says, you know, a new version of your app is available. Kind of like on Spotify, how you have that, that bar that says refresh. Um, or you can just push it to them the next time they open the app. Um, so say you're running like a few A-B tests, then you could push a new A-B test to your users like the next time they open the app. Uh, without 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 needing to go through the app store. Okay, and they don't actually need a notification saying like update or anything like that. It can be behind the scenes for the yeah, user. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sort of surprised Apple's okay with that, just based on how like restrictive they've been. Yeah. So there was actually like the, there was like thread on Hacker News uh, a few months ago that was saying Apple's pulling apps, uh, sending down JavaScript bundles, um, like dynamically updating apps without going through the app store. And like the reason, like what they were actually um, like the apps that they were, that they actually flagged that they I think they had removed from the app store were apps that were um, sending down native code over the wire um, and impu and like manipulating like the apps that way uh, and so 
to be clear, like React Native only sends down uh, JavaScript that then interacts with the the APIs that are already exposed, and so that's that is like Apple deems that as being okay, um, and so that that's what you'd be sending down over the wire. So say you want to expose a new native API that wasn't already available, you'd have to submit uh, an app update uh, via the App Store. There, I guess there should be though some concern a little bit the fact that Apple or Google could just decide not to support that at some point. They could say no more JavaScript at all. Yeah, they could. They could. I think they've done that before with like other APIs. Uh, they've done that with hardware. Adobe wanted to do Flash for iOS apps and Apple put a kibosh on that. The difference with the Flash example is that it was never available on, on iOS. That's true. They never actually allowed Flash installed on yeah. any of it. I think like it's it, it's not like this. It's an API, right? It's an API, and it's like it's part of like like it's an it's an API that you can use within Objective C. It's basically eval. It's eval for Objective C, where you can write like a string. <laughs> sounds dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> where you can write like a, a JavaScript function within a string, uh, like within a string, and then eval it to give you a value or to interact with certain native uh, APIs. And so it's it's essentially a mapping on one side to the other. And so you're writing like a JavaScript function that maps to, so like you'll write like a view component, so like view which is equals to div, and then on the other side it maps down to the view equivalent on on iOS, and it does the same thing on Android. And so you're writing this like beautiful JavaScript code, but really it's just going over the bridge and then interacting with the real native modules. Could they remove it? I mean, they can do they can do what they want. I mean, I think that's <laughs> true. They can remove it. There's a lot of large companies using React Native, yeah. so I think that's always a good signal, but at the end of the day, Apple, Google could totally just decide, no, we're not going to allow this anymore. Yeah. But Facebook is. I know like their entire... Um, I wish they groups. used more of it. Yeah. I think it's like their groups and their events portion of their main yeah. app is, is React Native. Yeah. I think that parts of like Messenger. I think it's like sprinkled everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, Airbnb uses a ton. Like you mentioned Leland, like yeah. they're, they're doing a ton at Airbnb. They're cutting well. edge. Like if you're really into React Native, you should definitely check out what Airbnb is doing. Who else is using it? Tesla is using it, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Are they, they're not using it in their cars, are they? I actually heard something. Like I saw an article about someone saying React in smart cars. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't trust React or? No, no, I trust React, but it's like, wow, it's taking over the world. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be everywhere. Yeah, React yeah. in your toaster. Yeah, JavaScript <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. yeah, a lot of companies are using it. I mean, JavaScript Core has been in, it's been in like OS 10 since like before Leopard. Uh, there's just like nobody made a big deal out of it. And then it came to iOS and iOS 7. I, I was pretty excited. I actually remember the announcements when they added in Mac OS S. And, oh, do you? That was, that was yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I definitely wasn't paying enough attention back then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they added to iOS, iOS 7, and then React Native came out late iOS 8, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's not like, it's been possible for a long time. It just, we're only now taking, or taking advantage of it, thanks to, you know, Facebook's heavy lifting probably like when iOS 7 was 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 announced. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'd be pretty surprised if they got if they got rid of JavaScript core support. I mean, it's good for Apple, right? It's easier to build yep. applications and more apps in the App Store is good for their business. Um, and JavaScript is one of the most if not the most popular language. I think it, oh, yes. I think it is actually your last few years, I believe, it even like through is. GitHub and like they've done the studies on it. So, yeah, it makes sense and well we're on a JavaScript podcast, kind of makes sense. Yeah, we all love React Native. Yeah. So, I mean, React Native sounds great. 
what are some limitations though? Like there's gotta be some limitations to this. It's not a right one solution. I've never seen that, but what are some limitations why you may want to think twice before using React Native? I mean, if you, if you enjoy coding for a really long period of time, you're not going to be able to do that because you'll be able to write your apps faster. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all like no fast pre bias. It's like the interview yeah. question, like, what is your, what's what like, yeah. you know, your downfalls? Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm too passionate. Yeah, too passionate. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, I will say one that would concern me is the fact that iOS and Android are going to release new APIs that React Native won't have right away. So some Someone has to go write that, or you can go write that too, but they're going to release some new feature that we haven't even thought of yet. And React Native, you have to play catch up. Someone's yeah. got it, like it, whether it's Facebook or someone in the open source community has to write some sort of a bridge for that view. Yeah. The thing, I mean, actually was going to make the same point, so I'm going to yeah. play devil's advocate a little bit, but to point that I would make too. I, I, I think though it is... A lot of times in the real world, or when you work for a company at scale or an app at scale, you can't really you can't really use the new stuff anyway because you have so many users on on older versions of the operating system. So, you know, like we're supporting two versions back of iOS. So there's a lot of stuff that have come out in the last two years that we can't even use. I mean, sure, you can use. I was gonna say you can. Users, there, there are ways to like push products, to those users only. Yeah, I mean, but it's yeah. hard to get funding. It's hard to get approval to build things that like only you know twenty five percent of your users are gonna see. I, I disagree a little bit because there are times that even like Apple and Google will actually reach out to companies and say like, hey, we're doing this new feature and we'd love for you to take advantage of it, and they'll work with you to do that. Sure. If you have a React Native application. You're not taking you can't take advantage of those new APIs. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I think that's the rarity though. I mean, yeah, you, yeah uh, that's that's why we try to use the new newer APIs to try to get features. I was gonna say I'm like work. like LinkedIn is probably but, one of those places that they're like, hey, we have this new feature coming out that like, yeah. you guys should take advantage of. They'll try and give you that ahead of time. But if you're on React Native, yeah. you may not get that. Oh, okay, that's what you mean. I thought you meant like new APIs that are coming out that are maybe iOS like 11, and then say half your users don't upgrade to iOS 11, then you don't have access to them, so you have to wait longer. Yeah, it's not even necessarily like the iOS version. It might just be that they have some new API that they're adding, which yeah. it could just be a version update. Yeah, Yeah, there's definitely overhead to like mapping. Like if you want to use a specific API uh, that isn't baked into React Native, like you need to do it yourself. Um, I think that's one of the strong points of React Native is that there is a good API to allow you to do that called the Native Modules API, and there's another one. Um, Actually, it's also called native modules, but it allows you to expose components. So if you want to expose like a new button, say the Apple Pay button that's already built in, you can expose it by writing a function and then importing it as a React component. Um, so there are tools to do that. So you're never stuck. You can always get out of a situation like that, which is why I think React Native has been so successful. Because like if the API is in there, you can just do it yourself. Um, the problem though is like it's meant to be a solution to write native apps in JavaScript, yeah. not not have to go under the hood and use Objective-C or, or Java or Kotlin or Swift. Um, and so if you're in a position where you have resources, uh, you have like native resources, like engineers that are that are proficient in these languages that can help you, then it won't be a problem. Um, if you're good in those languages, then it won't be a problem. But if you're just a JavaScript developer and you're building this app and suddenly you really need um, Apple Pay, for instance, and it's not available, then you're stuck. Right? And you have to have somebody, an engineer that knows both, right? I mean, right, exactly. No, yeah, that's that's rare. Yeah, I, I wish it wasn't as rare as it is. Yeah. But yeah, no, exactly. So that's that's sort of like the risk that you're taking. I think one nice thing though too is like, and I, I believe Derek might have even mentioned it is the fact is is you can actually 
couple React Native with Objective-C, Swift, or Java for Android is you're not just writing, like you're not just stuck with one. Like, so you could actually take, write part of your application in Objective-C and part of it in React Native and, and they'll work fine. So Yeah, that's it. So that's how you get out of that. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, but there again, if you're a JavaScript engineer just writing the React Native, you may yeah. need a native engineer to help with that. Right. I feel like that is like the biggest burden for a lot of people who are like, who may want to even kind of think of transitioning. Like, for example, Evernote, we have a whole team of Objective-C developers, and we're still in the process of trying to transition some of our code to Swift. And then it's like, oh, hey, let's let's throw in React Native because all the web engineers, you know, they can... They can write React. They're right, already right, doing which it. Which is, like, yeah. awesome, you know, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, okay, well... It, it can, I feel like it can, it can, if not organized and managed well, it could be really messy. Right. Uh, we were just discussing the limitations. So one of the limitations that I, for Cordova stuff was... Um, if you wanted the the mobile app to kind of have that sort of native feel or look and feel of like an iOS or a, an Android thing, it was hard to do that because you kind of wrote it to look the same everywhere a little bit. And if you had if you wanted to do that, it was a lot of extra work. How does that work with with React Native to make some how, like to make a button look? That's a good question. Yeah. A certain way. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'd say it depends which part, like which parts for for the overall look. Of, of the app, you almost get it for free because you're mapping it to, you're just mapping it to the real button. But if you're looking at things like, like performance, like frame rate, frame rate can be an issue. So like we're think we're talking about smooth animations, for instance, right? Um, if you're doing like a gesture where you're following the position of the thumb across the screen, so you're doing that in your 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 function is in JavaScript, and so you're sending for for each frame, you're sending all that like the x y position over the bridge like each time and so that's getting serialized and then it's getting parsed in Objective-C and then you know you're running uh, a function there and then it, the result goes back to your JS side and so that that ha like has caused a lot of performance problems in the past um, the way to get around it is, is to pat is to write that function on the Objective-C side and so that way like the finger tracking is happening in Objective-C and it's being um, computed there too and so you don't have to go over over the bridge every time. Like the bridge is like the most expensive operation. And so anytime that you're dealing with things like frame rate, you'll have uh, you'll you'll hit those boundaries where it doesn't quite feel native. It doesn't feel right. Uh, but aside from that, um, I'd say it's 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 not a concern like it was for PhoneGap or Cordova. That's the biggest thing that I've heard though against React Native is performance. And I have heard that you can make it performant. But I think I think this kind of goes well with what you were saying, but you have to know what's happening under the hood and the whole concept of the bridge and like how to make it performant in order. And so if you're just, if you don't have that, that deep-ish level of understanding, you can write something that's not performant. Right, right, depending on what you're doing. I think another limitation too, and we kind of briefly touched on it before, is app size, where I mentioned like to Nofel is the app size that you know, if you're adding a bunch of libraries, JavaScript libraries to your app, that that could add to the overall APK size. But at the same time, is React Native actually adds to, it adds a little bit of weight. Does it not for the download size? Yeah, it does. I think I think it's just at like about three megabytes. I think it's like, yeah, I think iOS is only like a meg or something, but I think On Android, Android's three is to like six. three to six. Is that what it yeah. is? And so it's, I mean, that could be a problem if you're wanting to keep your app size down you're now before you've even written any of your view logic just by adding the react native library you've added quite a bit to the actual uh, app size is there pre-act native 
<laughs> Inferno native. Inferno or Preact? Uh, they, they said that they're never going to do that. Damn. They're never going to do Preact native? Never going to do Preact native. So what you're saying is it's open. So give it to, six months? Give or... it yeah. <laughs> it's not happening until it's yeah. not happening until Brian Holt does it. <laughs> Brian, get on this, please. Yeah. So it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. What if people started sending you money? Or beer? Or whiskey? I mean, if it was the latter two, I'd probably just drink it and then never get anything done. So <laughs> the code wouldn't be very good. Yeah. I mean, granted, like the, the the largest part of React Native isn't it's not React. It's right. just everything else, right? So even if you did drop Preact, it would still be like it would still be three megs. Yeah, you're you're not saving as much as you would yeah. like. And I know iOS because you have like part of the JavaScript engine's already there. Android doesn't have it, so it, it does add quite a bit of weight. That is a good point, though. Like I think. One of the things with React Native, I mean, it's per, it's proven to be very difficult to maintain because it does a lot. Like it has, it exposes all these APIs to you, so you can easily build an app. Like I think there's like there's over 80 APIs available to you. I might be wrong. I just sort of, I just sort of said that thing. We should probably look it up. <laughs> but like even then, say it's like 40 APIs. Most people only only use maybe 10, yeah, 10, 15 max of them. And so there's all the other ones. And it's like there's a new version of React Native every month. And then there's a handful of like maintainers. And then it's like it's like one of the most popular projects on GitHub. So all these people are using it. They're reporting the same like issues because of X reason. And so. It makes it very difficult to maintain. It makes the, the library size a lot larger because you have all these APIs. And so I think it'd be easier to maintain and it would make the apps the, the library size a lot smaller if like most of those APIs weren't in there, if they were just like third-party libraries that you would download. And so React Native would only be the core set of primitives that we talked about earlier, like view text, uh, maybe like a few others, text input and so on. And, and then if you needed... Apple Pay again, for instance, then you would just download that library. If you needed async storage. Is there a great Apple Pay library? <laughs> how, how would I do all payments? That, that might be a good question. Yes. What if I wanted to do Apple Pay, credit card, Stripe. Stripe, PayPal? Is there, no, fell, is there a library for that? I've actually, I've actually never heard of one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I really that'd wish. Great, that'd be great. If I, re I, I really wish someone could just take the time and build that for me. So Brian and I are bugging Nofel because he has actually written a great library that is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So let's go great. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you want all those payments, palatable. Uh, 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 let's start with a library, <laughs> and then hopefully it'll it'll be great. All right. So he's written a uh, library <laughs> that is That's a great. It, it definitely it solves that. Your library, paddleable payments. It's good enough. It's good enough. It's good enough. It gets you. It's React Native payments. We'll link to it in the show notes. But yeah, if you have to deal with payments in React Native, definitely a great library to use. Yeah. So you, you won't get like that doesn't get bundled into React Native. So if you're if you're building an application or if if you're if you're building an application and you don't need and you don't need payments, you don't have to pay that bundle size right for payments. But if you do. You could head over to my GitHub and download React Native Payments, and we have support for iOS, uh, so Apple Pay, Stripe, Braintree, and maybe Android Pay soon. I don't know. Maybe. Don't you have PayPal on there too? No, not yet. No, not PayPal. Uh, no, period. No, not no, not no, not yet. Just no. All right. <laughs> so never. Probably never as part of React Native Payments. There is a sweet like add-on API, so if you're really passionate about PayPal or if you work at PayPal and you want to add it, you can just plug in to so the add-on API. Since there's no one really passionate about PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You could also send them to the WebView, right? Cheers. Cheers. There you go. 
So we've talked a lot about React Native and working well with Java and Objective-C, Swift, whatever you're writing. Is React Native a replacement for those languages? I wish. <laughs> and what makes you say you wish? Like, yeah, it, it sits on top of them, right? So yeah. So it's just, it's just like, you're just mapping AP. It's just an interface to interface with Java and Objective-C. Hopefully one day we'll have a language that allows you to just write pure React. That'd be awesome. I mean... I don't know. I even think, like, how do you feel, Derek, even the fact that there's Objective-C and Swift? I, just, I think that's a dream that everyone's shooting for that is just... I mean, it's, to not, write it's not a new thing with mobile, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, like this is this 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 is going to save us so much dev time if if Android and iOS and web are on the same. Like this has been an issue since Mac and PC right. days. Of, yeah. You know, like, I, I just Before we even you. had iOS and Android. But you know what? You can write once and run everywhere. What views? The web view. Cheers. This is why like PhoneGap and Cordova was made, and why like. Yeah. Progressive web apps are trying to like take off and stuff. So why wouldn't you use PhoneGap or Cordova over using React Native? Because it's just not fast enough. I've, I've, I've actually even seen this, like actually, so like I did this hackathon where we tried to like make a game and then we went to this game conference and this native developer came. He's like, oh, that's a pretty cool game. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, we use Cordova. And he was like, <laughs> but this was like way back then. And then we were like, oh, well, like how, like, why is it so funny? Like we, now we can like do this. And he like showed us like this mini like sandbox game he made. And he like had like a gazillion particles like come out. And I was just like, okay, show me you doing that in Cordova. And we were like. I wonder how much of it too is, is that, is, is, opinions you know yeah, um that's fair I, some I, asshole developer yeah it's just like it's like even on the, like being kind of on the native side of things more recently it's like people you know if, if we were to start a new app no one on my team anyway would even think about doing it on Re in react native and that's true in like so some, many different someone on your team would think about it well i don't mean the web so, team. Someone. <laughs> someone with the name no, ryan <laughs> My team. <laughs> Hopefully, you have the show. But no, I think you're you're right though. A lot of us are more JavaScript oriented, so we're we're happy to write more JavaScript. But the mobile devs are looking at us like you guys are nuts. JavaScript on a native app? Nope, that's not good. Like write native code, and and that's a lot better. And so I think it is actually a really hard thing to convince people to leverage React Native versus writing Objective C, Java, or Swift. Here's like I think a good reason that. A lot of companies don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of, they don't have enough money to have like a separate Android native team and a separate iOS native team and a web team all doing the same things, coordinating across them all. And like a lot of times, it is just like a money decision. Like you don't yeah. have yeah. have it. I think for a startup, it's a perfect thing to be leveraging. Is React Native will get you a lot of things really quickly. You might start to say, okay, well now we need to write native pieces of the app, which is fine. You could start writing some of those views in tangent with the React Native, which is great too. Or an agency, like, or if you're doing something for fair, yeah, yeah. I think it's perfect. For and, for, yeah. and for speed, maybe most apps like speed really isn't that big a deal. Like, right. there's yeah. so yeah. many right. apps in the world that are like, fill out a form and submit it. Exactly. I will say, like, if there is any language that is the closest to achieving the dream, right? It's probably JavaScript, right? Like, at least from what. I've seen. Yeah, I think we all hope so because we're all Java. <laughs> I, I thought Evernote uses Java to write front-end code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We <laughs> triggered. They're slowly getting rid of that. We're slowly getting there. We're getting there. And they've they're moving to React slowly, slowly. I mean, Kotlin's trying to do that. Like they're 
they're they're mostly. I mean, you can use it on Android. Uh, you can compile down a, a JavaScript already if you want to, and then you can also share code with iOS. What is this? Uh, Kotlin. Kotlin, not Kotlin. The, the latest first-class citizen on, uh, uh, Android. on Android. It's a JVM language. Made by um, JetBrains. JetBrains, the ID, IDE guys, IntelliJ. Um, WebStorm, RubyMine, PyCharm. Are people leveraging this, or it's fairly new? There are teams so. at Netflix that use it. Some, like Most Android people that I've spoken to are really excited about it. Evernote, we're also trying to lever it to leverage it, too. Yeah. I would say it's in a similar state to Swift, that it's, yeah. it's pretty young, so you're... I mean, when you're on the bleeding edge, you're the one bleeding kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Swift is still growing significantly, so. Yeah. But I would say Swift is even ahead of Colin, just in my uninformed opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's been out for, because well, they just announced it this past Google I.O., right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Yeah. they announced that it was like an official Google thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it's been around for a little while. So Augustus had brought up building his Cordova app it was game phone gap back then, but or phone gap at that time. <laughs> so you, you talked about that, and Stacy had also brought up building applications that look and feel like iOS and look and feel like Android. Is Cordova or React Native a better route to go for that? In React Native, when you're when you're targeting a button, you're targeting the real button, like the real iOS button that you would if you're if you're writing an Objective C application. And you get to style it just like you would. So if you want to change the color, make it larger, actually give it a border, make it look like a real button, then you can do all those things. So you can actually take advantage of material design for Android. Exactly. exactly. You can take of the iOS spec for Apple. You have to, right? Because yeah. like when you say, I want to render a button, you're, at, you're rendering a real Objective-C button. When you say, I want to render a list view, you're targeting the real Objective-C list view. Whereas with Cordova, you had a web view. And, b and before we cheers, so let me just finish the point. Cheers! Uh, cheers! cheers. No. No. Immediate satisfaction is what we want. And within that view, you'd basically build a website that would have to look like the Objective-C button, would have to look like, look and feel like the um, Objective-C list view. And so you, you like, if you wanted to achieve that feeling, you'd have to spend so much time just to make it feel native. And the main difference is that React Native is truly native, and PhoneGap is a website trying to feel native. So you'd actually have to write CSS to make it look and feel like your... You never quite get there, and it's still janky as well. Yeah, the performance is just not there either. You'd use touch scroll, what's that called? Like WebKit touch scroll, and then it would like break because it's a broken property. Yeah, I mean, anything beyond simple forms, Cordova fell apart, at least from when yeah. I was doing my experiments yeah. with. Whereas with when I was writing like my React Native experiments, like I didn't even have to be a very good developer and it still turned out really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> with PhoneGap or Cordova, you're spending a lot of time probably just trying to make it feel okay. Bare minimum. Okay. Yeah, bare minimum okay. And it's everyone's going to pick up your app and go, yeah, yeah there it doesn't really that feel like native. Yeah. 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 There are things that you'll never get. Like an example is, you could have two apps that look the exact same and feel the same because the Cordova developer put a lot of love into it. And as soon as you touch an input, the keyboard that comes up is a web keyboard where you have that extra bar above with like the forward and back uh, and the oh, down man. on the right. Yeah. And native apps don't have that. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can yeah. do about there's it. There's nothing you can pass down or no, anything no. to the native. It's because, just it's, yeah, because you're, you're, you're loading a web view. <laughs> Cheers. I didn't know that the web view keyboard is different. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's what gives it away. I think it also like highlights the point you were making originally where React Native is about like learn once and write everywhere. And I feel like Cordova was trying to go more of the just write it once and mm -hmm. don't even get it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. but 
good one. <laughs> like, yeah. with, if, so that's a good, a good segue into React XP. Have any? Have you played with a React XP? I haven't, but I've heard of it. And it's from this like really tiny, amazing startup called Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> They're real scrappy. Real You've got one of my favorite so companies. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days you're gonna love Apple too. It's, it's not, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> I guess I said that about Microsoft, and here I am. Yeah, but I've heard of it. It's like. I, I love that idea. That's the dream. So what is the what's the idea of uh, React? Okay, so Cordova's dream is like write once, run anywhere. Yeah, right? yeah. Like that's that's the dream. React Native says embrace the platform, but we're going to give you like the ability to write 80% of the code and then the last 20% you're still going to have to write in Java or iOS. And that what React XP is, is it's the last 20%. So that you can literally just write one code base with a series of components that was written by the Microsoft. And... The tiny startup. The, the tiny startup, and it's 100% of the code. You don't have to ever drop into Objective C, Java. Exactly. That's actually really cool. How long has that been around? Eight months. Yeah, or so. Less than a year. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like React Native Web and yeah. React React primitives, where you, you you like have a set of primitives that you're using on every platform, and there's no reason to to write the same markup for web with divs and spans and inputs, and then write it again for Android, uh, right. iOS with text view and text input. Uh, that's what everyone wants, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to have to write the same thing twice or three times, or uh, have to like write a third of it and then you write the other third and then you write the other third, and we're all just writing the same code three times. It just I mean, make you you want consistency and speed, yeah. Like yeah. nobody wants to rewrite something three times. That that is painful. Yeah, and then and then you're also paying like a communication tax where the three of us need to go to the same meeting or we need to communicate with each other and make sure that we've all like implemented the same way. Uh, depending on where you work, you might get competitive and start telling someone that like you wrote a better implementation of like that same feature. And with React Native, you just like don't need to deal with that. So how can our listeners learn about React Native? Like if, if someone is just starting, maybe they've written some React, maybe they've never written React, where are places they can go to learn about React Native? Yeah, so I would say there's a module called Create React Native App, uh, which is just like Create React App. Uh, and what that'll do is it'll bootstrap you into like the minimal app that you need to get started. Uh, in the background, it's using a service called Expo, um, expo.io, and so, Another route would be to, to go straight on Expo. There's a website called snack.expo, which is like JS bin. Um, cool. And you can just start writing React Native um, and have it render either in a simulator or you can actually install the Expo app on your phone, either iOS or Android, scan a barcode, and then it'll just render whatever you're writing on your phone. Um, so you can be on Windows, since you, you, know, since you guys like Microsoft. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can write an iOS app without needing Xcode at all. Um, so that's pretty remarkable. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a nice, nice thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 could be. <laughs> it can be the worst, it can right? Be the worst. Literally the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And 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 actually, that's interesting. Like the even the hot reload stuff that um, React Native has, even if you're just doing it on a simulator on your on your machine, is really nice compared to writing native code. Like you have to wait five minutes for it to build, whereas React Native uses. Like, yeah, I kind of wish we talked about that actually. Yeah. Yeah, we, we just did. did. Okay, kind of. We're, We're still, still talking. talking. <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah. So, in, so like instead of recompiling, you just get you get hot, uh, you get 
live reload and you get hot reload. It seems very normal if you work on web, but on native, that is one that's definitely one of the most, biggest adjustments I had to go to. Is it's like you make a UI change and you have to wait five minutes until you. Yeah, see it. yeah, especially as your app grows, it just yeah. keeps getting slower. And yeah, slower. yeah, exactly. Um, so that's like a huge one for like developer experience. At the end of each episode, we like to share picks of things that we have found interesting and would like to share with our listeners. Let's go around the table and share picks for this episode. Derek, you may as well start it off. Sure. Um, so my first pick is something that um, just came out uh, called Realm Academy. So Realm is a company um, that does uh, like backend as a service stuff for iOS specifically. I don't know if they do Android stuff. But anyway, um, they have a lot of good content. And they have always been publishing their videos online. And they do transcripts with all their videos, which is really cool. Um, so you can read through it if you're not a video person. But anyway, they just launched a site that basically puts all of their content together into one place and gives you like learning paths and all this stuff and they have a lot of react native stuff i just looked so definitely check that out and then my second pick is something called pi app uh, i just found out about it it's a it's essentially like the duolingo of programming um so it, it actually looks exactly like duolingo it's two guys that have built this app and they have anything from um, javascript to git to just html to whatever so but if you've ever used duolingo it's the same concept you go through you you say how many minutes a day you want to spend through this, and then you um, go through and like learn the, the different paradigms of, of different languages. So. Cool. Brian, what do you have? My first pick is more for our European listeners. It's uh, hackages.io. Uh, they do trainings all throughout Europe, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to go do it in October, uh, but they have a bunch of amazing trainings, like Ben Lesh is going to go do it. Um, yeah, they have some other really awesome trainers. Which we've had Ben Lesh on an episode, I think our second episode. Yeah, second yeah, episode, yeah. We need to get him back on at some so point. I'm sure, I'm sure he's willing to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my second pick is uh, the development stack that I've kind of settled on that I think is like the best development stack and people are arguing with me about it and, and they're wrong. And I just wanted to like <laughs> call them out on air about that. <laughs> So it's it's prettier, which I've chosen before. Uh, ESLint config Airbnb, which I think I've also chosen before, and then the third thing is Flowtype, which I have definitely chosen before. So, but it's those three things together I think makes the best JavaScript development stack. And I like a, I think we need to like come up with like some sort of like mean stack kind of acronym so that, uh, for it. And then maybe a logo, because yeah. if you have something like cool logo and a yeah, acronym, yeah. you're sold. The people right, will buy, buy into it. it. Yeah, Let's I, work on that. I'm, I'm going to contract out to Ryan Burgess to, to make a logo. All right. You come up with a cool acronym and name for it. I'll, I'll work on that. Fep. Fep. <laughs> yeah, I have two picks. Uh, one is, so kind of what Nofell said, Airbnb has like been huge on React Native. So my pick is this framework called Lottie, where they, essentially it's like you can take Adobe After Effects animations and like convert them and like plug them into your iOS, um, Android, or React Native app. Um, and it's just like they have like such a cool website and I, I imagine it's awesome. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. Um, and the, my other pick is I went ATV riding in Pismo Beach like yesterday and it's like super fun. There's like so many sand dunes and just seeing people like shoot off of like sand dunes and riding ATVs and it's like scary at first, but it's like super fun. So I definitely he heavily recommend that. Did you get some good air? 
I did not. I I was stuck in a oh like I got stuck for like a really long time and for the longest time I didn't know how to reverse and then this guy came up and was like what are you doing like dude just reverse and I'm like I don't know I don't know what to do like it actually has a reverse with like well, okay, so apparently some of the ATVs don't have reverse so they didn't teach us did you have a reverse I did have a reverse and this guy was like you're an idiot like here you just <laughs> press this button and then do this and I'm like oh my god well, thank, thank you so much five backflips and, back flips and, get that button <laughs> and then hit that button Stacy what do you have for us. All right, two picks. Um, so I think one of my picks several episodes ago was Webpack Bin. Um, this, a pick for this time is Code Sandbox. Um, it's very similar, um, but it's just something that we've been using at work a lot to like create little um, examples of like, hey, there's this problem that I'm running into and replicate it there and just make it super easy to share your code. Um, so that if you're like, if it's a React-based thing, you just you know, say import React. Um, write some code and then share it and then you can download it download the zip of it run it locally just like um, Create react app. It's based. I think it's based on that um, So pretty nice. I like it uh, second pick is uh, Music pick slow motion by Lucene. Uh, it's another ghostly international um, label artist kind of melodic abstract electronic music I like it because um, it's great to code to so that's my second right pick. on no foul, what do you have for us? All right, so I have two picks. Uh, the first pick is an app called Detour. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, so Detour is like is an audio tour app where you can pick a neighborhood uh, they have and then they'll kind of walk you through it and you'll have a local that'll um, tell you the story and the history of that neighborhood and make you check out cool spots. So that's my first pick. I think you can get free tours for the entire summer, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, my second pick is React Native Europe. Uh, happening September 6th and 7th in Rutsov, Poland. And so I'm going to be speaking at that conference about React Native payments. Uh, you should either go online, check out the talks, or if you're in Europe, you should uh, go to Rutsov and uh, check it out. Might also be a good excuse to travel to you. Might be. Poland's a blast. All right, I have two picks as well. First off, I'm going to choose, uh, since we're talking about React Native, I'm choosing your library for payments. It's really great if you actually want to support purchasing with uh, React Native. Nofell has done a lot of work for you, so definitely check that one out. My second pick is a iOS and Android app called Robinhood. It's a stock trading app. I've started playing around with some stocks and found that this app is really, really great and clean. I also like that between iOS and Android, they look completely different. On Android, they're actually using the material design, which is great to see. And I'll put a link in the show notes. I did get someone who invited me to it, so I'll invite everyone as well. You actually get free stock if you get someone to invite you. So. That's pretty badass too. Yeah. So, all right. So before we end the episode, I want to thank Nofel for being a guest. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Where can people get in touch with you? Best one's probably Twitter. So I'm Nofel on Twitter. You probably don't know how to spell that, so I'm gonna spell it out for you. N A O U F A L. You can go to my website. I have a short link, so nof.me, N-O-F.me. It's a lot easier. And you can get to my Twitter through by clicking on my name on the bottom right. Otherwise. Not LinkedIn. Snapchat. Sorry, Snapchat. Uh, I'm Baby No. It'll be really so funny know. if people add me. So every time I text Snowfell, it's always, "Hey, Baby No, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on?" <laughs> every time. Yeah, so Baby No on Snapchat. I'd be curious to see how many of your of your listeners. all right thank you all for listening to today's episode if you've been enjoying the podcast please let us know uh leave us some reviews on itunes any last words web Web view cheers